Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, it's a busy time of the year as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VSIN studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi on the men hanging out in his office there in Jersey. Uh-huh. By the way, I, I want to get to some of these scheduling quirks and specifically talk about the NFC East and how easy, quote-unquote, Michael, their schedule sets up to be. But Matt Santos has been lauding this, and I have to ask you about it quickly. Have you started the offer, the making of The Godfather? Now, Uh, you haven't. I I have, but I've read everything that's in the story. Supposed to be tremendous. You know, it's based on a little bit of – it's based on Al Ruddy, who was the guy who started Hogan's Heroes – uh, and became the producer, and he's kind of ri- written the teleplay for the series. So it's through his eyes that we see the show. And then, of course, I've read, you know, Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli, the book, uh, which was fascinating, on also which kind of verifies some of the things Ruddy's talking about. So, and it gives you a portrait into Coppola, you know, uh, Charlie Bluthorn, the, the, the guy who owned golf and Western, and all the dynamics that went through it. So, you know, I, I've read it. I, I, once I'm done these final three players that I have to write up, or two and a half players, I, I can actually might have a life again. <laughs> so for those that don't know the offer, Paramount Plus is about the making or getting the Godfather made. Two notes that interested me that Santos said, how much the mob did not want the movie to be made at all, yeah. and how much this series makes Sinatra look like a jerk. Yeah, and, and, and in the books that I've read, I haven't seen that. You know, I haven't seen that point of view, right. the mafia viewpoint of of Joe Colombo really feeling like it was deframing de- Italians and Colombo being called into golf western to read the script which he never read you know and then they took out the word mafia which was only in it one time and that kind of allowed all the things to go proceed into motion so you know it's it's a fascinating book uh, Puzo's a fascinating character how he wrote it because he couldn't sell The Fortunate Pilgrim. It was one of his best books. He sold 4,000 copies of it at the time. So he changed his whole style and went into writing something that he knew intimately about from growing up in, in what they called, you know, the Little Italy section of Harlem, you know, uh, up there where Rayo's restaurant is on like 112th Street in New York. So it's where Danny Ioa and all those guys came from. And so he wrote about it. You're like an encyclopedia. That's why I brought it up. When it comes to that information, nobody's better than Michael Lombardi. Let's, I'm going to throw up a graphic for you. Matt Santos was arguing for the Thanksgiving games. We'll just start here, and then we'll get into some of the minutia when it comes to the schedule. So here are the Thanksgiving and Christmas games side by side. You know, most are saying the Christmas games greater than the Thanksgiving Day games, but Santos was trying to fight for the Thanksgiving Day games uh, during the break. So you got the Bills and Lions. Of course, everybody bitches about the Lions. I understand, but it's, it's, they're not going anywhere. You got the middle game. They're the Giants at the Cowboys, and you got the Pats 
versus the Vikings to close it out at night. What are your thoughts on the three on Thanksgiving? Well, I mean, look, who doesn't want to watch Josh Allen? I mean, he's a major star in the league. And, you know, and to see him on Thanksgiving Day indoors in perfect weather. I think the one thing I'm disappointed about with that schedule, if we put it back up, is the fact that all these games, Christmas and Thanksgiving, there's no weather games. And, and, And I think part of the allure of football, what makes the Tuck game so wonderful to revisit and and relive the memory of it is the snow the scenery the beauty of it all this we don't get any of that we got dome 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 you know and then we go miami you know dome dome so like we're losing a little bit of the element which i i love i love in the handicapping of the game you know i i mean if it was if it was packer it was dolphins at green bay in that game at 1 o'clock on Christmas Day, I would promise you, I don't know if the line would be big enough for me to ever bet Miami in that game uh, because I know Tua in bad weather and cold weather. So I miss that element of it, and I think that's with the league. I think we like the Thanksgiving weather part of it, especially if we're going to play a night game. If we're going to play one of those night games, let's play it in outdoors where we can feel it and enjoy it. Well, I agree with the sentiment, and I appreciate Matt Santos defending my Lions. I would say the Christmas Day games, as you look at the Packers, Dolphins, Broncos, Rams, Middle, and Primetime. You've got Bucks at Cardinals. You've got a lot of star power there on Christmas. No doubt. And, and look, we're going to enjoy all the games. I mean, let's face it, that's going to be perfect. And and all we ask for is a close game. It's what we want with the NBA playoffs that we didn't get. We didn't get it last night. I mean, that wasn't a really – when you look at that game, I mean, that was a horrible-looking first half and a bad second half by one team. I mean, we haven't gotten really crisp play, you know. And so what, one thing we love about these games is we know there probably won't be a blowout and they'll be all good games. And that's what we love more than anything. The appetite for this league is insatiable. I mean, I don't know. It's unbelievable. I can only, I can only imagine what the ratings were for the 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 show that was announcing the games that were going to be played, to where uh, to the Seventy Sixers in, in, in an elimination game. I mean, you would think elimination game. Obviously, it wasn't very important to the Seventy Sixers. So why should it be important to most of the fans? But you would think that would have risen the level of excitement. I know when I was a kid growing up, because we didn't get a lot of, you know, you had a. Those elimination games, I mean, those were like huge. Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock was like a big thing in the NBA. This is the way these games have gone one way or the other. Now, I I think certainly the the Phoenix-Dallas game was, was enjoyable to watch. But to me, there's just not enough great games. And we're in the final eight teams. Look, they said that the first week was up big time for the NBA postseason in the first round. And they were averaging right around 4 million viewers a game. If you juxtapose that with what we saw on Christmas last year, you almost had 29 viewers of the Packers and Bears or whoever it was. I mean, it is just a monstrous number, overwhelming. Yeah. It's unbelievable what the, the numbers they're doing. And like you saw it yesterday with the schedule release, the NFL has a – it's very adept – at garnering attention around something that shouldn't be as big of a deal as it is. Like you saw each team individually puts together a schedule release where they do something creative and fun. They make it fun Uh, as much as, you know, as much as it's a, it's an entity that kind of swallows up everything else. They do it the right way. They have fun with it. They really do. And and look, it's, it's, it, it keeps the focus and the attention on the league and it's going to continue. We're now, 
rookie camps. I mean, today is the first day of most teams' rookie camps. I know talking to my son Matthew, Carolina's got yep. all their rookies in this week, so you're going to see Matt Corral's going to throw. We're going to get some feedback. We're going to get some feeling of what's actually going on with some of these rookies. But I thought what was fascinating was, Patrick, looking at the schedule, I wrote about this today for VEASAN, it should be up later, is when you go through all the teams – you know, the, the home opening, I think it has 10 of the 10 of the home. There's 12 teams, 10 teams of the opening weekend are home dogs. And and excuse me, 12 are home dogs. 10 of those teams would were picking in the top 12. So what does that tell us? That tells us that the, the book could care less about the draft. It right. could care less about the draft. Right. Will it make a team player a little bit here? Point maybe, you know, but really nothing. Like, those teams that improve themselves, the Jets have two number one picks. They're still four-and-a-half-point dogs to Baltimore at home, right? The Giants have two first-round picks. They're still, you know, they're, 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 they're on the road at Tennessee, so it really didn't, didn't count in the equation. My point here is we tend to overemphasize the draft and handicapping, and we need to not do that. Yeah, you're 100% right. I'm taking a look right now just to name a few. Week one – You've got the Falcons catching three and a half hosting the Saints, Michael. You've got the Panthers catching four and a half hosting the Browns. So this is a theme that over the three years we've been doing this, it has continued. And I use the word again and again, but the mitigation of home field, it really has started to even out. I mean, that the old school idea of the baked in three for the home, home team no longer exists. Yeah, no, I don't think it does. And I think we make way too much about the travel, too. Totally. I think these players are, are comfortable with the travel. They understand it. I think they get it. The teams know how to handle the travel. The players are accustomed to the routines on the road. The NFL is different than the NBA. Like there, you when you f- fly in to play the Vegas, and you you know you're buttoned up from the minute that plane lands at McCarran International Airport to the time it takes back off. It's buttoned up. There's very margin for free time. And so, you know, the, we tend to think it's like the NBA. There's a bunch of people at the hotel. It's, it's way different. You know, there's just not enough time for that. Oh, I know what I meant to bring up with you. Did you see Ernie Adams unveiling the Patriot <clears throat> schedule? I thought that was I, awesome. I don't yeah. – who is Ernie Adams? Can you tell us who this man Ernie behind the Adams, scenes is? So Ernie Adams is, is really one of the smartest human beings you could ever talk to. He doesn't really – it doesn't come out as fast – as his brain is operating, uh, he and Bill played together at Wesley, and they met when, when they were at, at Andover Academy together, at, 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 which was a postgraduate school. And Ber- Ernie's a brilliant, brilliant man. And Ernie became involved in football and coaching. He ended up going to the New York Football Giants. He worked with George Young in personnel. He was coached the tight ends, and he went back into personnel. He joined us in Cleveland as a coach and then back in personnel. So he's done a lot of different things, but he's a great historian of the game. Uh, he understands the rules better than anybody I've ever been around. And, and, and he gives Bill a kind of a sense of what he needs to know what's going on in terms of scheme, history, all those things that factor in. And some of it's game management, some of it isn't, but it's all important outside the confines of just coaching and playing. Well, I like what he said because we asked you yesterday the ideal buy spot and the Patriots have a bye in Week 10. And he just said, I like that bye right there at Week 10. They did it really cool on an old-school board where they didn't go yeah. over the top. I, I, really, I thoroughly enjoyed that. You could tell he was kind of into it as well. 
Um, yeah, that was cool. Some teams went over the top. The Patriots went old school with the dry erase board and Ernie Adams. Yeah. When we come back, that number in division between the Cowboys and Eagles is shrinking. I'm going to ask Michael Lombardi about it next here. Lombardi line. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. VSEN Spring Special is here, $59. Get you everything VSEN has to offer from now until the end of July. Look, the next few months are going to be awesome and it's going to be filled. We've got not only Point Spread Weekly, which comes out every Wednesday, but you've got Adam Burke daily giving you baseball plays. Jonathan Von Tobel, we mentioned, is right up today with best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Amy McNeil with the Stanley Cup playoffs. Plus, you got NFL preseason coverage, uh, not to mention the best bets from uh, UFC, USFL, golf, which we do a great job, of course, with the boys, NASCAR. Everything, Point Spread Weekly included, vcin.com slash spring. That's vcin.com slash spring. Okay, we got you back here, Lombardi Line, Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. And you mentioned a new episode of GM Shuffle with you and Femi dropped today, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts or go to vcin.com slash podcast as well to make sure you check that out. An exciting time. I, I'm sure you've seen her. She's hilarious. Rachel Bonetta, I believe, is her name, who does it for the NFL she works for the NFL Network. She put together a little song of her own that called 18 More Sundays. And that's how many Sundays we have to go until, of course, we're back with football. It really is just What's it, 119 days, right? Isn't it 119 days we got to go? I think that's exactly what it is. And we open, of course, on that Thursday, Michael, with... Why did that slip? Dandy. We open with a great game. What is it? Why did it? Where are my notes on that? It slipped my mind. It's the Bills oh, Rams the, Bills. It's the Bills in the Rams. Yeah, Bill, Bills at dandy. the Rams actually on September eighth. That Thursday opens it up, and then that following Sunday will be our first correct or proper uh, football Sunday, the eleventh. Actually, September eleventh. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, look, it's 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 going to be fun to watch this whole thing unfold. You know, injuries play such a huge factor in it. We were talking about Survivor on the pod a little bit about strategy with those with those two games, six games now on, you know, adding basically a 19 game schedule to your picking. So you've got to pick 19 winners. You've got to pick 19 teams that win and you only get to pick one. And the way the AFC is so tight in terms of how many good teams they are, it's hard to find a lot of it. And so, you know, just going through it, we were talking about Philadelphia and the over just recently before we went to break. And, you know, Philly's schedule is is so conducive only because, you know, they, they, they play the East and they play the AFC South and the NFC North. So they're getting a lot of kind of easy games to go along, opening up Detroit, Minnesota. You know, they come back and they play the left-handed Carson Wentz, and then they <laughs> come back and they got the Jags. I mean – it's not a bad schedule, and it gives them a chance to, to really to kind of get them thing going. And plus, I think the Eagles are a hard team to play. I think they're a hard team to play because their running game is so difficult to attack and handle on a week on a short week. You know, on a short week, if if Pittsburgh now, you know, they got to buy before they play Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh you need to get ready for them, having never played them, to get understanding. They played them two years ago when Doug Peterson was there, but. 
but that was a different run game. So this run game takes a little bit of time and understanding to get used to it, and I think that's what makes the Eagles an overplay. And that's exactly where I wanted to transition to, the NFC East. So easiest overall NFL schedule, you take a look. One, the Commanders. Two, the Eagles. Three, the Giants. And six, the Cowboys. So the NFC East, of course, with the easy schedule. It's not a great division. Let's take a look. I'm sure you saw this. Matt Humans wrote at vcin.com. He believes the Eagles should be favorites in the NFC East. I'll give you the odds right now. The Cowboys are a minus 150 favorite. Again, you can find these conference odds, excuse me, division odds at every different book will be a little bit different for the most part. But the Cowboys, the one book I'm looking at, 150. The Eagles plus 250. Washington, 5-1. to one. Michael, the Giants, 10-1, to one, of course. The Cowboys 12 and 5 last year and the Eagles 9 and 8. The Eagles excite you with what happened during the draft or excite the betting market. Add AJ Brown to compliment Devontae Smith. They got Jordan Davis, who you love, the big tackle. They got Nicobe Dean, who slipped in the draft. And the Cowboys, conversely, didn't excite anybody with the draft. They took the first rounder, the tackle out of Tulsa, Tyler Smith. So I'll start with the original assessment from humans and ask you, should the Eagles be even money with the Cowboys or betting favorites in the NFC East? I think they should. I think it's a fair game. I, I think that it's a fair game. Now, look, the Eagles have to fix their secondary, and they've got to rely on their defensive front. I mean, Slay's still a good corner, but who's the other corner? You know, is it going to be Zach McPherson? Is it going to be Avante Maddox? I mean, who's it going to be, right? They've still got to do that. Will they sign Bradbury? Who knows? Can he cover anybody? But with the addition of Riddick, for him to come off the edge and give him some power coming off there to go along with, you know, Hargrave inside who was dynamic. And then you get Jordan Davis also. You know, if they continue to play more aggressively defensively and allow these defensive linemen to take over, they can cover up for a secondary because they'll put some pressure. They're, they've got a lot of guys it's hard to block. So I do like that part of their team. you know. And they drafted Dean, whether, whether he plays the whole season or not remains to be seen. But I, do, I like their offensive and defensive lines. I think their run game is really hard to handle. I think it's hard to play for. It's hard to prepare for. And the one thing I like about their team, too, is when they lose their quarterback, they might actually get better in terms of their passing game. Minshew might give them more than a passing game, and he may become more dynamic with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith than even Hurts is. So I, I like the team, and I, and I think the gap between Dallas and Philly was never that far. So I think humans is right. I would say, and I like Philly to be the over. I, I do like them over, and I would bet them to win the East. So I was going to ask you about Hurts, and then, you know, it's not that Minshew's immobile. I mean, he can move, but is this offense, as it's currently constituted, completely set up for Hurts, or can Minshew step in and um, do well in this offense? I, I think they can modify it, right? I, I think they can modify it. Do I think they'll be the best rush team in football with Minshew and you take away Hurts's ability to run? No. Right, but they averaged four yards per carry last year, fourth best in the league. I mean, they averaged the fourth best yards per carry in the league, which is really good, you know. And so they're able to do that, and they were able to run the football for touchdowns, which is again key. I didn't think they had a hard schedule last year. I don't think the schedule is going to be very difficult this year. I think the challenge they're going to run into defensively is how good can they play pass defense? Are they going to be good enough? Can they get their hands on the ball? They gave it their 20th in the league and touchdown passes allowed. You know, and they were able to, but they played from in front quite a bit. And they were able to, to kind of mask their defense. They were only 23rd in the league on third down. 
Only 23rd in the league on third down for his team that wants to run the football effectively. So they have to play a style. Whether Minshew's the quarterback or Hurts the quarterback, they got to play this style because they're kind of everything ties together. It's a little bit like if you're a basketball team, you've got to play a certain way to win. I think it's more so. And that's why when the Eagles get to the tournament, when they get to the playoffs, they can't play that style. They don't have a passing game to compete with these elite quarterbacks that they face. You know, their season win total set at 9, 110 up and down, so it's really not budging. Won nine games last year. Yes or no on the postseason for the Eagles? The bet's at 110. Yes, no. So I'm jumping all over those two plays right there because yeah. I think when you look, look at the Eagles' schedule, I mean, look, the, the, they've got a lot of teams in a rebuilding mode. You know, they do. I mean, the Texans, the Bears, you know, where are the Saints at the end of the year? The Giants are in rebuilding mode. The Jags are in rebuilding mode. The Vikings could be in rebuilding mode. I mean, they have a new coach. There's a lot of there are a lot of things that are easier on that schedule. I don't see how they don't. I totally agree with you. I, I can't not see the team taking a step forward this year. And those are essentially the numbers I just gave you were from last year. So we didn't expect much out of them last year. Nine wins, of course, flopped in the postseason, but got there. I mean, I, I just there has to be expectations with the coaching staff in its second year learning something. You have to expect them to get a little bit better. It, it, maybe right. if it's marginal, I, but still. It, it's, and everybody focuses on Hertz has to get better. But the reality of it is, is they've got to get better defensively. When they've played good teams, when they played Dallas passing game, when they played Kansas City passing game, when they played Tampa, when they played the Raiders passing game and the Chargers, they couldn't stop anybody. I mean, they couldn't stop them. I mean, the Chargers put 445 on them. The Raiders put 442 on them. The Bucks put 399 on them. You know, the Chiefs put 471 on them. And the Cowboys put 380 on them. Then they started getting away from playing good quarterbacks, and they, they built up their momentum. Well, they don't have a lot of great quarterbacks on that schedule. They really don't. I mean, they don't play Aaron Rodgers. You know, well, they do. I'm sorry. They do play Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, they don't have a lot of elite quarterbacks. No. And they made a living last year. They, they were... You know, they lose to the cow. They, they didn't beat one really good starting quarterback. Well, they look didn't. At, look at the way they close. And now, if there's anything, if there are any questions, you're talking quarterbacks. So let's go week 14 on, Michael. Take a look. We'll throw up the schedule. Giants, Fields and the Bears. Okay, Dak, Jameis, and then Jones again. That's again, a Again, it was like last favorable. year. They went la – Last year, they went the, 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 the Sinatra Open. They went the Giants, Jets, Washington, come back with the Giants, Washington, and again, the Cowboys. You know, when they, when they lost to the Chargers, they're 3-6 and six in the, November the 7th. And then all of a sudden, they got a bunch of patsies. And then, of course, when they play in a game that they've got to win and throw the football effectively, they can't do it. And they gave up 349 to Tampa, and Tampa won the game what? What they win it? 31 4 It wasn't even as close as the score. Oh, no. Yeah, no, the score was misleading. Does do the schedule makers, does it feel like they're lining up those division games more than they used to? You know what I mean? Like they want them late. Them they, in the clusters they as want well. They want them late. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, totally to agree. To me, it's, yeah, I, I think that's important. Okay. We come back. Josh is going to join us. And we got some head coaching odds as well here on the Lombardi line. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. I'm Patrick Maher. Of course, he's Michael Lombardi, and we're presented by Bet. 
BetMGM. I'll say it again because they deserve it. BetMGM. We welcome in our buddy Josh Applebaum, of course, Market Insights, betting across America. And I got to call my guy out because every day he checks in with engineer Kevin. Check one, two, one, two. You ready to go? He was ready to go. <laughs> but he was talking about let's go Bruins. Now, the Bruins have a game seven tomorrow down in Carolina. Josh, you're putting the horse in front of the cart, aren't you? Because or the cart in front of the horse. You got an elimination game with your with your Celtics tonight in Milwaukee. Patrick Michael, great to be with you. So isn't it difficult being a Boston sports fan? We got these multiple game sixes, game seven. So I guess, you know, it's a embarrassment of riches here, guys. But I want you all to say a prayer for the bees tomorrow. Also say a prayer for the Applebaum household. We're having some people over. It's going to be our first home, like, gathering at our new house here. I'm putting the TV out on the deck so we can watch the Bruins. We're getting a keg of cloud candy. We're getting after it tomorrow. Over <laughs> under nine and a half beers for your boy. Wait, 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 wait. What is cloud candy? Sounds like cloud a horse. Candy, it's this IPA Boston type beer, Patrick. Is. So, yeah, of course, you know what I like, of course. Cloud Candy would be a good horse name because uh, <laughs> yeah. coming from the clouds. Um, all kidding aside, Michael and I were having some fun with that Celtics Bucks game uh, tonight. It, uh, DraftKings got it one, most books one and a half. Josh, what's going with the market movement here on this one? This looks like a sharp contrarian line freeze on the Celtics, guys. What's notable to me is, you know, you open the Bucks laying minus one and a half. So, right off the bat, Kind of seems a little fishy, right? You know, Giannis is playing great right now, defending champs at home. You're only laying a point and a half. Feels like an auto bet here on Milwaukee. However, according to BetMGM, 64% of bets are on the Bucks tonight. Around two-thirds of bets, the public play is, again, laying it here with Milwaukee on the short number. Now, if you like Milwaukee, I get it. You know, you've seen playoff favorites 70% straight up. They're about 56% against the spread. Conference home uh, teams are 16-6 and six against the spread. But here's the thing. With all those, you know, systems in mind, you would think two-thirds of bets on the Bucks, we'd go up to minus two, minus two and a half. That hasn't happened, guys. It stayed exactly where it's at at one and a half, even though only 36% of bets are on the Celtics. And if you look real close at the juice, at least a couple books are Celtics plus one and a half, minus 115. So I don't know if we get down to one, but the juice is kind of trending down to one more so than it is maybe trending up to minus two. So I got to go Celtics here, plus one and a half, and I'll give you the cherry on top, guys. Scott Foster. Scott Foster mm. alert. Scott Foster will be refing this game. He is notorious, as we all know, toward road teams, toward overs. A little cherry on top if you like the Celtics there. Actually, all three refs are road refs. And I do lean under here, guys. You get to game six, game seven, you know, under systems. You know, you, you play these tight games. You're, you're forced, uh, you know, backs against the wall. You got to play defense, elimination spots. You see unders tick up around 3% more in game six and seven than games one through five. But I just be a little careful because this thing opened 212 and a half. Got all the way down to 210. And I'm like, okay, another, you know, game six late series under. But then it got steamed back up to 212 and a half. So a little fishy that it went down so much and rose so much. Keep an eye on the Time Lord. Robert Williams may play, may not. We'll see. But, guys, Celtics only getting a third of bets, and the line hasn't moved. Give me Boston plus one and a half on a line freeze. Yeah, Mike. You know, I mean, Go ahead, Mike. I don't know why, the, you know, I, I agree with this. I, I don't see, to me, I think this is a money line play if you're, if you're Milwaukee, uh, which I think is affecting probably some of this number because why would you want to give Because I think this point and a half is going to matter in the game. And so I think most people that want to play Milwaukee are just willing to take the money line as opposed to laying the points. And I think that's why you're seeing more action on Boston. Yeah, I think and Michael and I were discussing the total earlier and we both like the under. We've seen that over, under be pushed up in the series because we had two overs, right, in games four and five, Josh. The Scott Foster angle concerns me because he likes FaceTime towards the end of a game. And so generally teams are going to live at the free throw line. But 
you mentioned elimination spot. Traditionally, game sixes have played to the under. Uh, I, two unders last night that were super competitive. The games weren't, the late game wasn't competitive, but still an under cashes. I, I like the under here as well, Josh. I'm with you, Patrick. And again, you look toward yesterday. The, the key here is also playoff unders that fall at least a half point, that indication of some respected money coming in. You've seen unders do great in the playoffs. The unders that fall are even higher than like 69%, something like that. My only caveat here is, you know, you look at both the unders from yesterday, they fell a lot. You know, that uh, heat game was like 208 down to 206. The Mavs game was, what was it, like 214 down to 210. I'm only, so I'll, long story short, Patrick, I'll go under with you. I'm just concerned that, you know, it's it rose back up to 212 and a half. Like, I'd almost be in a weird way more confident in the under if it fell even further. The fact that it ticked back up, you're like, okay, I get a couple extra points to play with here, but why are you getting those extra points? Maybe it's the Scott Foster angle. Maybe it's Time Lord. I'll go under or nothing. I'm just a little wary of that, like, kind of early morning, early afternoon move back to the over. Okay, boys. So... Michael, we had 10 and a half close on Monday night with the Warriors at home, of course, ho hosting Memphis. And then Memphis trounces them midweek. Now you come back a little bit of a market correction with the Warriors now sitting eight. That does feel like the pure number. Josh, movement on the side in total here, Memphis and Golden State. So the line's going to the Grizzlies. You know, the open the opener here was a lot of books. You know, Warriors laying eight and a half. I even saw an opener of Warriors laying nine. We're down to eight. So just in terms of where the line is going, it is going toward the Grizzlies here. That's a good sign that they're getting some respected money in their favor. But I'm a little wary of, of grabbing the eight right now because according to BetMGM, 71% of bets are on the Grizzlies in the points here. That scares me as a contrarian better. The Grizzlies are a really, really trendy dog getting a lot of these points. And you also think about recency bias and what the public just saw. They just saw the Grizzlies absolutely destroy the Warriors by like 40 points. So, you know, you know, this line is way too high. Why is it eight? That's my only concern. I like the move to the Grizzlies, but I'm not going to bet the Grizzlies again because I'm scared off by that 71% and the fact that it seems too easy off a blowout. Just take the points. So my angle here would be take the under. It opened 219 and a half. It's down to 218 and a half. You've seen a pretty good bet first dollar split. Only 53% of bets on the under, but 68% of money. So this would match that tired legs, late series under. I'll take the under here. And again, line move to the Grizz. I'm just worried that they're a little bit too trendy tonight. A great write-up, by the way, by JBT on this game over at vsim.com tonight. If you leaned on the side or total, Michael, Grizzlies, Warriors, uh, which way would you go? Let's start with the side. Eight, the Warriors laying it at home looking to eliminate the Grizz. You know, I, I would lean, when you look at the last four games, you look at the, the last ten games, you know, the Grizzlies are eight and two against the spread. And so I would lean towards taking the eight. And I would I lean agree. towards, you know, I would lean towards taking the under uh, only because I think these games become more defensive. So those would be the two plays, you know, and, and I think the Grizzlies have a sense of confidence. I think that certainly we're going to see the best effort out of Golden State by, without, any set, without any doubt. They will not come lay flat, lay an egg flat like Philly did, flat in Miami, then flatter in Philly. Yep, totally agree, and I <laughs> agree with the Grizzlies tonight, and I like the under. Josh, we mentioned tomorrow you got a game seven for your Bruins. Hopefully the party is not spoiled. <laughs> However, tonight you got one on the ice, Stars Flames, right? You got a bunch on the ice, but we'll start with the Stars Flames tonight. So this one jumped out to me, Patrick, because, you know, we've seen a lot of overs cash in the NHL playoffs. It's kind of been, you know, kind of surprising in that regard. But overs are 27 and 15, 64%. So two out of three games are going over. And if you look at the three games today, 
The two are the you know the the early one Rangers Pittsburgh Florida Washington both of those are juiced up over this one guys has a serious amount of juice on the under it opened at five and a half the lowest total on the board it's juiced up under minus one thirty five I mean NHL totals you know you don't see them get juiced up this much that often it's kind of rare you, you see a minus one thirty five minus one forty typically they'll just drop the line to five I don't think they want to go to five because they'll get hit with a ton of buyback over five here but I'll lay this juice and I'll go under five and a half you have that game. Uh, late series game six game seven under trend you also have the under four and one the series dallas has been uh, one of your top defensive teams and also one of your lowest scoring teams in the series uh and the juice to me tells the whole story you know if we've seen overs cash so much in this playoffs then why are they making you pay such an expensive price on the under that seems fishy to me give me the under here guys and again system matches on desperate teams off a loss dallas would match tonight around plus 135 and washington would match also around plus 145 all right, there it is. Do you have a play on your Bruins tomorrow? Oh, man, Patrick, I'm going to have everyone over. I, I joke that there's going to be a $20 cover charge, but if you wear black and gold, you get in for free. So this is one of those days where throw away contrarian, throw away line movement. When you host, I'm going to sweat the bees tomorrow. Let's go, Bruins. You do. It does appear that you have a little extra pep in your step today, Josh. Like you're yeah. on something, man. He's, You know what? I'm excited. You're high on the bees. You're high on the Celtics. <laughs> you're high on the Bruins. Is that what's happening? Pretty much. And then Elise is like, we got to go to Costco. We got to go to Whole Foods. We got to do all these things to get everything. I got to get the ice. I got to get the keg. There's a lot going on, Patrick. But hey, it's a good problem to have when your teams are in the playoffs. Oh, my God. No doubt. That is hilarious. What? Did you get your invite, Patrick? I didn't get mine. Did I, was just, I, just, I was just scrolling through my email account. I must have missed the mail. I must yeah. have missed the mail. I, I don't know what happened. You yeah. and I were both left out. Is there yeah, an answer for so. that, uh, Josh? So maybe we'll do a live stream, guys. That way you can check no, in. See we're not coming in on your live stream. The, if we're not invited to the, the party. Invite. No, yeah. no, Josh. No, that's <laughs> not the way it works. Either we get official invites. We're not joining on a Zoom call, okay, <laughs> to watch you pound IPAs. <laughs> best of luck to the Celtics tonight and best of luck to the Bees tomorrow on the ice in Carolina. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great weekend. Okay. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. When we come back, we'll get... <laughs> out of control when we come back uh santos has put together some uh coach of the year odds i think you'd be oh, interested in yeah, yeah let's have a little fun awesome. with that some good graphics as well as we continue here lombardi line presented by betmgm if you missed anything we're at vison live on twitter he's m lombardi nfl you can go follow along the timeline of the postmortem on the 76ers on twitter we're back to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, reward program BetMGM. It's the best one out there. Loyalty program, redeemable for online bonuses, converted into comps at MGM Resorts nationwide. I tell you all the time, it's like a credit card. You get points every time you place a bet at BetMGM. Go to betmgm.com or download the app. Got to be 21 years or older. 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. Okay, Michael Lombardi 
I'm Patrick mm -hmm. Maher. This is the Lombardi. I think you're going to enjoy this. Santos put a lot of work into it. I'm going to throw up a graphic for you, and we're going to look at the last 10 NFL Coach of the Year award winners. The, visually, this really makes it interesting as, as we take a look. You can throw up that graphic, guys. So take a look at the last 10. And, of course, Rabel last year, Stefanski the year before, John Harbaugh the year before. But a couple things stand out. One, 40% over the last 10 NFL Coach of the Years were first-year head coaches, so rookies. That's right. interesting. And then two, how about the two over the last – 10 years that had two head coach of the year awards, Bruce Arians and Ron Rivera. Take a look at that list, Michael. Yeah. What stands out to you? Well, I mean, you know, when you take over a program like Arians took over with the Cardinals or Rivera and the Panthers, and you instantly get them back going, Stefanski in Cleveland, you know, and get things turned around, all of a sudden you get the credit for it and you get coach of the year. And and I think that that's the kind of the, the, the commonality that we need to look for in this year when searching for who could it be. You know, who's going to – if Detroit makes the playoffs, is Dan Campbell's a lock to get it, right? If they do that. If, if Kevin, yeah. Kevin O'Connell makes it for Minnesota, you know, Mike, Mike Zimmer didn't. Does he get it? We'll see. I mean, I think that, that, that's kind of the – got to think, is he taking over a team that's better than – a depleted team like Brian Dayball, right? Brian Dayball's taken over a team without really a quarterback that he's sure of and a lot of void in talent. Can he do it? If he, if he makes the playoffs, he's coach of the year there too. Well, you said it. You nailed it. We said of the last 10 coach of the year award winners, 40% were rookie head coaches. Let's go ahead and take a look. Look at those numbers. Dayball, 14 to 1, first year there with the Giants. McDaniel, your boy down in Miami, 14 to 1. And O'Connell, who there are expectations there with this Minnesota team, 14 to 1. Those are three first year head coaches with some short numbers. I'm shocked that Kyle Shanahan's 14 to one too. Like, I mean, he's you know, and that's because he's that's because Trey Lance is in the number. That that what we're saying with that one is is Kyle's going to coach him up. That's a pretty good odds at 14 to one for him. I mean, you know, I, I think Frank Wright at 20 to not one didn't make the playoffs. He comes back with Matt Ryan. If they turn things around there, that's a pretty good play there. You got a chance. I mean, I like the Colts team. I like his run game. They were very close. If they win one of the last two games against the Raiders and against that. And look, if Josh McDaniels comes in and takes the say. Raiders to a playoff, he's 20 to one. That's not bad either. You know, so I think one thing you want to do, though, I think this is really important before playing any number is marry the coach and the quarterback. Like if you feel really good about Dan Campbell and Jared Goff, God bless you. But if you do, then then marry them together. You know, if you feel good about Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins, okay, I get that. Then go for it, right? But I think you got to marry the quarterback to the player. I think that's ultimately what's going to determine it. Well, the numbers don't equal the perception of what Cousins has done in not necessarily something that was archaic, but, of course, a different mindset with Zimmer at head coach as opposed to we would assume, right, with O'Connell coming in. There does seem to be some juice with that combination, Cousins and right, O'Connell. No doubt, and, and, and certainly he's going to get out the, you know, look, the numbers don't lie when it comes to Kirk Cousins. I mean, he does really well. The problem is when Kirk Cousins gets hit, that's the problem. You know, it's the Mike Tyson line. You know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. The Vikings look really good until they get punched in the mouth. How good will they be on defense? I mean, Donatello's going to come in there and run the, he's going to run the, the, the Vic Fangio scheme. 
So it's going to be a lot different. You know, are they good enough up front? You know, are they good enough up front to win with? I think that remains to be seen and how it's all going to play out. You know, can Daniel Hunter stay healthy for more than one half of a season? I mean, he's missed really two years over the last two. So, and they're a little longer in the tooth than you think on defense. Mm. You know, I mean, with Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith, both Fair. over 30, you know, they're a little longer than you think in the tooth. But, you know, look, they can run the ball with Dalvin Cook. They'll be good enough offensively. I think it's a good play at 14-1 to with Kevin O'Connell. Vrabel, last year's winner, 25-1. to Do me a favor, Santos, throw up the original page because I think that's where we can find some similarities or apply to this year's market, what we saw from the last 10 years. So we'll throw it up and so Michael can see it as well. We had Vrabel last year. It's Stefanski in his rookie year, the year before in 20. John Harbaugh, okay, steady as they get. How about Matt Nagy in 18? Sean McVay. Yeah, that was all defense. <laughs> that, was that was all, all defense. defense. That was Vic you know, Fangio. But his offense kind of, yeah, it was Fangio and his offense. I'll give you one who's not up here, which is remarkable. Mike Tomlin. Like, Mike Tomlin was, was as good as any coach last year in the league. What he was able to do with no quarterback or a quarterback that was basically what, what got rid of the ball and net gen stats 2.1 seconds, you know, he couldn't wait to tell us that. <laughs> so I, I don't know where Mike Tomlin is in this. If Mike Tomlin wins 10 games with this Pittsburgh Steeler team, like, like I, I mean, we just take it for granted with the guy. The guy is such a good coach, you know, and people complain about his game management and all that. But, I mean, Mike Tomlin at 25-1, to 1, I mean, you know, he's got Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. And if he doesn't go with Mitchell, he's got Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph. Like, like if they win the North, which would be, to me, a miracle, but I wouldn't put it past them. I don't like their team. I didn't like their team last year, and they won eight games. Like, I, yes. I, I just think the guy doesn't get enough credit. You know, like, I don't think he gets enough credit. There's one down here, too. Dennis Allen at 30-1. to 1. If, the, if the Saints win the South or playoff run, it's a pretty good number. Fair. Fair. You know, Tomlin is the type of – he wakes up, rolls out of bed, and wins d- double digit every year. I mean, it's crazy. I don't crazy. know how the hell he does it, Patrick. <laughs> I, I really don't. Remember the year with the Duckster when he won 10 games or the whatever Duxter, it was? Won, I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was, and, and, and they were creating turnovers with a defense that was playing from behind the whole year. I, I mean, you know, and, and this is what's remarkable about him. I mean, they were so bad, and they made the playoffs. And we knew, and we knew when we let him in the playoffs. We all said it on the program that this is the worst thing that could happen to football is letting the Steelers, because we don't even consider the Steelers a playoff team than they were last year. I bet you if you walked down any street and said, were the Steelers a playoff team last year? Everybody said, no. Well, they really weren't. They had lost 40, 42 to 21. I mean, they got destroyed in the game, gave up almost 500 yards of offense. But they made it. He got nine wins. I mean, he got nine wins out of them. The Steelers were the answer to that trivia question as the Bears the year before were the answer to the same trivia question. If I told you in 20 the Bears made the postseason, you'd say, hell no, they did not. Same with the Steelers last year. And that tells you everything you need to know about that head coach there. I mean, think about it. They tie the Lions in overtime, 16 (laughs) to 16. I mean, that's the level that they're playing at. And they're able to beat Baltimore twice, once in overtime. Right, and once on the last play of the game, when Lamar misses the throw over to Andrews in the right corner of the end zone, if he makes if he makes that if he makes that throw, it's a win. So the margin was so small. Get blown out on that Thursday night game in December, but rally back. I mean, they're remarkable. They are really a remarkable team, and I would never count them out. Like I don't like. I wouldn't play the over. I wouldn't play the under. There's a guy at twenty-five to one named Bill. 
last name rhymes with Alicek, who uh, is sitting 25 to 1. This is the type of year where all of a sudden he comes out of the clouds with a team that people are doubting. Well, they're doubting him, and then you look at the schedule. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you, they start out, they open up in Miami, a very hard place to play. You know, and then they come and they go back on the road again to play Pittsburgh. Not another easy place to play. And then they host Baltimore for their home opener. And then, oh, for the, you know, here comes, here comes Aaron Rodgers, by the way. You got to go play Green Bay. Hard to start that way. It's going to be interesting how he starts off this, the preseason, because typically Bill sees September as part of the preseason. Now, he didn't start very fast last year. We know that. They struggled last year. But they're going to get tested quickly out of the block, especially with the speed of Miami's offense. Have they done enough defensively to, to help their team speed defensively? I think that's going to be the key question with the, with the Patriots. Now, it gets easier as the schedule wanes on, but those first four games now, you better button up your, your belt straps. My Raiders. McDaniels, I met a very charming offensive head coach named Mick as well. By the way, this is from Santos. NFL broadcast exec Mike North says the Raiders were one of a team that requested back-to-back road games in the East. Week 8 at New Orleans, Week 9 at Jacksonville. The Raiders will try to stay East between yep. those two games to avoid an extra cross-country. So that's very pragmatic yeah, of them and, to and stay and out there. It's really good, and it, what makes it even better is it's a team bonding. To me, that's training camp there. I love the idea. I think you bond your team together on those weekends. I think when you can do that, stay somewhere down there, I think it's awesome. I think it really helps. Get them out of Summerlin, keep them in the South. That's what uh, keep them. Well, I, I could just tell you if that, let's see, that I know Millie's going to be in uh, Las Vegas November, that week eight and nine, because he's going to call for help. That, that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think... I don't think they actually ask. They just tell Millie, this is when they you're call coming. For help. It's like the bullpen. She, Millie's like, a, she just answers the bullpen. She starts throwing. They got a, like they the got, they got a bat, sig- bat signal for Millie. Yeah. You just look up in the and, air. And he doesn't even provide her with a bat. You know that car they used to bring the pitchers in on the from the bullpen <laughs> with the helmet on it? You know, He doesn't even provide that. I'll see you, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, Michael. Early. Thanks, Patrick. Okay, we'll see you on yes, Saturday. Sir. Lombardi Line Edition next. Odds on.